How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Hey, it's Locke. Before we start, I need a little favor if you don't mind. There is a survey being done by Edison on podcast listening. It would be really helpful if you don't mind. Podcast.study is the website. Go to podcast.study. It'll ask you. Uh, you'll see Locked on MBA there. And if you don't mind filling that out, it'll greatly appreciate it. I mean, today's our sixth anniversary. You could do that as like a little thank you. Appreciate it. With the rolls past the pick, kicks to the corner to Mack. Mack penetrates. Two guys on him. Floats the right-hander up and in. Right side of the floor. Floaters to Shelvin Mack. Or back. You are Locked on Jazz. Your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 30th of March. Shelvin Mack to the rescue. A deal undone turns out to be best for the Jazz. We'll hear from Quinn Snyder about whether it's good passes that lead to good shooting or good shooting that leads to good passing. And we'll take your questions on Facebook Live Edition on Thursday. It's all right here on Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Hope you're great. Thanks for tuning in. Guess what? Guess what? Six years ago today, we started this silly little morning video interaction on Google Plus or on YouTube. And now, six years later, it is locked on jazz. Can you believe it? It's been six years since the very, very first edition of the show. I had no idea. A year ago, we played the video back. I had absolutely no idea what it was. I had absolutely no idea what we were doing. I had no idea what it was going to turn out to be. Little did I know it ended up being the origins of a podcast network. So thank you all very much uh, for six years of being a part of this show. If you have been, if you're new to the show, then welcome. But we have been, believe it or not, doing this daily podcast uh, in some iteration for six years. From YouTube to Google Plus to uh, no video to Thursday only video to why we do video at all is a question mark to, uh, you know, what from some no name to tip off to this. And for those of you who are wondering about that stupid drum roll, the stupid drum roll started six years ago because we had no production. We were kind of – I was making a mockery of the fact that we had uh, – you know, we didn't know what we were doing. And so I started doing the drum roll, and it six years later has stuck. So I have no idea how many shows it is. I would guess we're over a 1,000 uh, podcasts at this point. Everyone always likes to – you know, I always – I feel bad when the guys on the network, they say, this is my 132nd show. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you've gotten no money for that. Um, And I feel really, really bad for them every time they do that. But So this is the sixth anniversary show. I wish I had something really special for it. We did a bunch of really fun stuff on the fifth anniversary show. We went back through memories. Maybe we'll do that again some other time. I didn't necessarily think it was uh, worth doing today. Uh, And in the midst of we're going to make the playoffs. 
Uh, first time we did this, we made the playoffs, and then we didn't make the playoffs for a long time, and uh, now we now we now we're going to make the playoffs again. So that's pretty awesome. All right, uh, we'll talk about last night's game. We'll do our pins across the world as we always do. Please feel free to submit your pin across the world. Today's show is sponsored on by the Shamrock Auto Group. Rob. Thomas? No! Rob Taylor over at the Shamrock Auto Group. Uh, for those who have listened, you understand what's going on uh, with that. Here's, here's what Shamrock Auto Group, they're all out of, they're out of Pleasant Grove. Rob's a, a really super guy. Most of their cars are 6 to 12 months old. Most of them have about fifteen to 20,000 miles on them. So you're talking Suburbans, Yukons, big SUVs, um, you know, reliable sedans, uh, Utah County uh, vehicles to uh, f- you know, fire up. Uh, uh, for you, the number one thing you're going to do at Shamrock Auto Group is you're going to get out-the-door pricing in five minutes. The number two thing you're going to get is test drive by yourself. Number three, you're going to get a buying experience uh, for in under an hour. Full service, can, can do financing, in-house, extended warranties, value-driven, and a Carfax in every report. I mean, if you go through the Google reviews, you fantastic place to buy a car, no Beep bag salesman. He was great, totally friendly, no pressure, knowledgeable too. Helped us with a trade in on our truck. Gave a great value for that. Uh, we live in Southern Nevada, and I was so uh, go there again the next time. Actually, I was talking to Rob about this the other day. A huge percentage of our people are out of state, come in for the savings. So it's worth it if you live in Salt Lake or you're up in Northern, go down to Pleasant Grove. People are making a lot, lot longer visits than that. Uh, unbelievable experience at Shamrock. Especially when considering a car purchase can be painful, annoying, and stressful. They were organized, patient, extremely fair in pricing. I test drove clean cars and had every question thoroughly answered. I can't recommend them high enough. Uh, I wish I went to them years ago from Clay Christensen. So uh, check it out. Shamrock Auto Group. They're in Pleasant Grove. Or just give Rob a call. If you're in the market to buy a truck or a car in the next few weeks, call 801-319-2250. 801-319-2250. The general manager is an old mechanic. He knows every single car he gets, what it's all about, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, that's Shamrock Auto Group. All right, let's go quickly to our pins across the world. I am trying to uh, get us into shows a little quicker than I have uh, in the past. I think it uh, uh, would, would help the program a little bit. Um, let's see. Where, where was I going today? Um, let's see. Uh, I want you to put a pin in Spokane, Washington, where I'm currently at law school, says Matthew Reeder. I'm originally from St. George. My favorite memory of the Jazz is traveling, just me and my dad, to see the Jazz Battle of the Kings. I was 11 years old. We won 130-88. to 88. It was 94-95 season. My family really struggled financially at the time, and looking back, it must have been a tremendous financial sacrifice to go on that trip. I have no idea how we did it, but it's something I'll forever remember. Thanks for your morning podcast. Uh, it is appreciated. Uh, it's really nice to see Jazz fandom mostly united on the direction of the team. Uh, those, yes, 2011 to 2014 nearly did us all in. I sure hope uh, we're able to keep Gordon and George, but if we lose them, I hope the fan base doesn't fracture again. It's a good point. Um, he asked a question. You preach a long time that if you distribute inefficient, high-usage possessions to other more efficient players, your team is going to get better. I've always seen a connection between the idea and the Ewing theory that Bill Simmons talks about. I think your numbers would back up the examples, but what about Patrick Ewing himself specifically concerning that year he got injured and they miraculously went to the finals. You know what? It's a great question. How about tomorrow's show we do some of that kind of old school NBA pack? We'll do old school, and I'll tweet it out during the day today uh, that we're doing that. That's a great idea. Uh, thanks. Appreciate it. That's what happens when you get a law student from, from Gonzaga. In. All right, let's uh, get right to it. Uh, Shelvin Mack saved the Jazz Bacon last night. 
and it's it's an incredible testament to Shelvin. What a pro he is. He's been he's upset. He was hoping to be traded at the trade deadline. Uh, he thought that he was going to get an opportunity to play. Frankly, I think he thought he was going to Cleveland. A lot of people did. They went and got Darren Williams instead. And the Jazz didn't move him. And I think he was bummed. He wanted to play. And then the Jazz just kind of banished him and said, you know what? We're going to go with Dante and let him develop as a point guard. And then Dante didn't play well. And they went to Neto because Shelvin was injured. Because in a, Shelvin, when we played that early Sacramento game, on March 5th, Shelvin and Trey Lyles and Jeff Withy, and I, I don't know who the fourth was. It might have been Johnny Bryant. I don't think it was one of our players. Maybe, did I say Neto? Oh, so it was Neto, Mack, Lyles, and Withy. Went over and played an extended two-on-two game many hours before the, when the arena was there to get some shape. They'd gotten so little run uh, that they went and played this high-level game, and in that game, Shelvin Mack thought he tore his ACL. He instead sprains his ankle. He's ask, He's like, ask the TV truck for the video. He wants to know how his knee didn't blow up. It was bad. Uh, I was up on the top deck looking around the one Golden One Center when it happened. Heard him. And like, oh, God. Uh, and then he then the, Dante doesn't play the point well. Shelvin's not ready to go. So they go to Neto. Neto plays well. Now Shelvin's even banished even more. I mean, what a frustrating season for this guy. And yet last night, because George Hill's out, because how will Neto's out with a pulled groin? Dante starts the day terribly at the point guard position. And uh, in turn, we end up with Shelvin Mack carrying the Jazz to a win last night. It's incredible. It's, a, it's incredible testament to Shelvin. His 28 minutes having not played at all. Uh, it's very similar to what he did last year with us. And you just got to admire it immensely. Uh, shoot. Um... It looks as though my Facebook Live has kind of died here uh, for a minute. So there's we have some other we have some friends out, but there's more people pulling at Wi-Fi than usual right now um, in the house. So that's unfortunate. Maybe we'll pop back on. Maybe not. I'll turn off some other Wi-Fi's that may be uh, pulling from it a little bit. Looks like we were able to reconnect. That's great. Uh, so one the other one that gets really interesting about this is a little bit of the decision that De- that Dennis Lindsay made to not trade Shelvin Mack. And that when you're in that moment, you have the opportunity to make a deal and you decide not to and you keep someone like Shelvin around because he has institutional knowledge, he knows exactly what your coach wants, he knows the group, and if exactly what happened last night happens, he can step in. And he did. And the fact is, we may hold on to the fourth seed in the Western Conference, and if we do, it's going to be by no more than one game. It may be that game last night where we were negative on the floor when Dante Exum was on the floor. If our point guards last night were Dante Exum and Alec Burks, we lose. But they weren't. Shelvin Mack, who had played virtually none, was ready, prepared, knew the system, and may have played his singularly best game of the year. He also probably had fresh legs. Um, So really, credit to... uh, Credit to... Shelvin, and I think it's an interesting case study on why you might not always want to make the deal, right? The guy that's in-house knows exactly what you want, knows what your team represents, what your coach needs, is a far more valuable piece, 
even if maybe in times less talented than the guy you're bringing in who has to learn all of those things. It's really, you know, it's it's a really interesting kind of we all love the deal for the deal's sake. But I'd say last night is a good example of where not making a deal turns into the right thing and makes a huge difference uh, to the franchise. One thing I'm going to do at the end of the show today, um, actually, I'll, I'm, I'm just going to, here's what we're going to do. This is going to be kind of weird. On Facebook Live, you'll never hear it. If you're listening to the uh, recorded version, you're going to get it right here because La- it just will make no sense otherwise. So last night, I asked Quinn Snyder about the Pelicans game where the ball moved again. And I said, hey, does the ball move because shots went in, it becomes contagious, and everyone moves the ball? Or did shots go in because guys were moving the ball? And Quinn gave an extended answer that I think is worthwhile to let you hear that talks about how our offense at times gets stagnant. He talks about when guys go under on the pick and roll, which is really the problem with Dante. They all go under on everything. Uh, and, and so the offense gets, gets hurt by that. Uh, you really have to have point guards in our system or guard, ball handlers where they feel like they're fearful of the three, and so they go over on the pick and roll, and then they can create advantages out of that. And I thought his answer was fabulous. So here it is for those of you that are listening uh, on the podcast version. Uh, and if those of you that are on Facebook Live and wondering what it was, it's at a, we're about the 13-minute mark of the podcast version. So I thought that was worth... I thought that was interesting, uh, just to get his take, how he feels about it, um, and explain a little bit of where this offense can struggle as the season goes on uh, and how they have to fight through it. So that's worth probably remembering a little bit. All right, let's go to your questions. Appreciate everybody on Facebook Live who's dropped it in uh, on our sixth year of uh, doing this. What was Exum and Neto's plus minus when they were on the floor together Monday uh, the whole season? It's actually stunningly great. Um, I've looked at this just recently. Um, I don't have this. I could try to update it really quickly. Um, this is the problem with doing a semi-live show is that uh, you ask questions and then I don't have them per- exactly updated and I like to be exactly accurate. So uh, I am updating right now all my two-man data, uh, which I do like two-man data a little bit because it's it's sometimes the data that's not. Um, it actually has some sample sizes. While it has it has more noise because it has three other people on the floor plus the five. It actually has big enough minutes on the floor that I think it's often uh, worse. Than the, Dante and Howell on the floor together have been surprisingly good because um, it's not a combo that I would naturally think would be good. When they've been on the floor together, they've played 84 minutes, pretty small sample size. Offensive rating is 110. Defensive rating is 88. So they're plus 22, really 21.4. Probably some things that are in there that are a little unrealistic to maintain. Opponents' effective field goal percentage is 42%. Over long term, that could never last. Uh, so I think it's, you know, they would never be that good. But it has not been bad. Um, I'm not sure it's a combination that you want to work with extensively. Dante and George has been good. Uh, in 105 minutes, they're 100 offense, 91 defense. Um, 100 offense is bad, actually. <clears throat> Just, I mean, so it's, they've been so good defensively. Um, there are not many offensive groupings with Dante that are good offensively. Uh, Joe Johnson is. Rodney Hood is. Rudy Gobert is right at average. Uh, the rest of them have not been because Dante is, is still struggling offensively. 
He was he struggled last night. That was too bad. Uh, from Mark from Mark J Wallen. Um, what happens if Gobert makes All NBA team or wins Defensive Player of the Year in terms of financial future of the Jazz? I'm not clear on how the new Supermax works with the new CBA. So he is not eligible for the designated player exception. If Gordon goes All NBA, which I think is going to be tough, but it depends a little bit. You'll hear in some upcoming podcasts if you throw Anthony Davis as a center, then Gordon's got a chance. Um, it's going to be right on the cusp for Gordon. If he gets designated player exception, then he will um, – then he – what Gordon has to do is opt in, and then he can get it, and he gets like $40 million, $45 million in the last years of that contract, which is a lot. Uh, it has to be a max deal. The Jazz have to give him a max deal. For Gobert, the only thing that changes is if he has defense players, some of his incentives – move from unlikely to likely, and it would cost us about a million dollars of cap space. Brandon Anderson, thank you for listening to most of them. Ty Massey, when Rudy made his comments, the first thing I worried about was Hayward might leave, not want to be around that environment. Could Rudy's connection comments change anything in Hayward's free agency? Uh, it's, it was not good. Those comments weren't good, particularly seven, eight games left in the season, particularly when two of your main players, George Hill and Gore- Gordon Hayward are free agents. Um, no, it was just it was not good. So, yeah, certainly. I don't think it would be the driving force. I don't think Gordon would allow that to dictate it. I don't know if it would, how it impacts George Hill. Um, but, no, I think that's a worthwhile thought on your part, and it was not a, it was not a, it was not a well done by, by Rudy. I think we've – I know I, I, I was pretty outspoken about this on uh, Spence and Gordon's show yesterday. Uh, the media, the fans love it. It's leadership. I got to tell you what, I and I fell for it. I even said on my show the first day, hey, we haven't had leadership in 10 years. And every time I said that to somebody who's in the know, so someone who played the game, someone who's been in the front office of a team, someone who's coached a team, and numerous people, they looked at me like, what are you talking about? And I was really set straight on this. You cannot have guys in your locker room ripping like that. Paul George has done it like four times this year in Indiana, and you wonder why – they're so incredibly inconsistent. Maybe maybe Paul George is somewhat responsible for that. He did it again two nights ago. They're they lost last night. They're on the like they could fall out of the playoffs. In the East. I'm holding to my ground on that one, by the way. But the I mean that's just you can't you just can't do it. I know oh, lights of fire shows you care. Yeah, there's ways to do that that are not that. Um going to the guy and talking to him in the locker room is the way to do that, you know, uh, but I, I got set straight on this one. We're way, we were all way, we, if you were involved in that, we were all way, way, way off base. Uh, now that we're up five on Memphis and Lascom, do you think the six seed is now our floor? I think our magic number, I believe, is six for the fourth seed and... The magic number is three to stay out of the seventh seed. I would assume we can, between us and Memphis, there'll be three more. So, yes, I'm feeling comfortable that we're probably either four, five, or six. Um, I think we have to win, beat Washington, win home against Portland, win home against Minnesota, win at Port- at Golden State, at Portland, does that get us to 50? We're at 46 right now. Is that right? If we get to 50, 
I think we, if we get to 50, I think we hold the four seed. If we can get to 51, it's guaranteed. I think, you know, we have, then the Clippers lose one game, we're there. Um, so can we beat Washington? You know, is George Hill going to come back to play John Wall? If he's not all the way right, and he's got a groin strain, it's not like it's going. It's not going to get that much better. Boy, Gordon was limping when he left the arena the other night. What a trooper last night! What a performance by him to just game it out for this team. Uh, so yeah, I think we got to beat Washington. We got to beat Portland and Minnesota in those two home games. That gets us to forty nine, and I think we got to sneak another one and then hope the Clippers lose two more games. Um, And the Clippers play at Phoenix tonight, which of all silly things is I actually think one they need to lose. Home against the Lakers, they won't lose. Home against Dallas, I don't think they'll lose. At the Spurs, you know, we don't know. Against the Rockets, who have nothing to play for, and against the Kings. I mean, we may have to go get all six ourselves, frankly. I I really think tonight is the game that we got to hope that somehow on a back end of a back-to-back the Clippers come into Phoenix, and the young Phoenix gets going and beats them. Because I, I don't, I, I don't think they're losing to the Lakers. They have four days off before they play the Mavericks. Maybe they lose at San Antonio. San Antonio now has nothing to play for after last night. Home against the Rockets, the Rockets will have nothing to play for other than maybe trying to create the Clippers as their opponent, which they may not want to do. And then they end against Sacramento at home. <clears throat> I mean, I, I, we got a magic number of six. I, I think we might have to go get five of them ourselves. Frankly, we almost needed the Clippers to again lose to the to the Wizards last night. We'll see. Tonight's pick. Go Phoenix. Can we get a miracle out of Phoenix? Memphis is interesting, by the way, because I think we have to might have to win all three. <clears throat> Oklahoma City, the rest of the way, their games are all like 50-50 games. So they play the Spurs at home. The Hornets at home should win. Box at home, who knows. And they go on a four-game road trip of at Grizzlies, at Suns, at Nuggets, at Timberwolves, close on the last night of a back-to-back against Denver. I mean, they could win all. They could lose three. But their magic number with them is 6-2. I don't know how we get six ourselves. Washington, Portland, Minnesota, San Antonio on the closing night, and then two others. Wow, that's winning six or seven to close. So we're going to need somebody to drop one or two. Uh, was last night the last real minutes for Dante? Is he pretty much shutting down for the year now that we're getting to the playoff? I, I just, I think they had already shut the door on Dante as a point guard, and then Dante shut it further last night, at least for, at this point of his career. Um, I just don't, I don't think there's confidence of Dante at the point guard position. Right, and frankly, if you watch the film, rightfully so. There's still a lot of confidence that Dante's a player, but not as a point guard. Uh, and then last night he had to do it. Uh, last night, Jazz fans everywhere are going to jump on the Mac train again. Uh, he can have good games, but for the most part, I see his wild style of play as a negative. Am I right, or should, it, should I join the Mac train? I think he's a backup point guard. And it, maybe a third point guard. And we played him as a starter. And at times he got exposed and... Didn't look great, so people found him as the guy to pick on. But, you know, he's traditionally been a third point guard in his NBA career and been, frankly, pretty good at it. Uh, and last night's a great example of what you want out of your third point guard. If he's our starting point guard, he's probably 
going to feel like he's a little overwhelmed at times, though I thought he did a heck of a job when George Hill was out. I mean, he's played 48 games this year. He's attributed to more wins for a guy who's played 48 games directly. Like, without him, we lose the game games this year. It's it's really pretty stunning. Really very stunning. Uh, I feel like Rudy's comments in the subsequent between meeting the guys look like they are playing harder and more together. Do you see this or more the fact they played two below 500 teams? More they played two more below the 500 teams. You know, there we have a weird in-house thing going on where people are – the way we talk about our team is not accurate. Um, the story on the Jazz this year is that they've played hard virtually every night. That they have done what they're supposed to virtually every night. If you if you look at the Jazz against teams that are below 500 this year, okay, against below 500 teams, the Jazz are 34 and eight. That's incredible. I mean, the Warriors are 31-5. and five. The Spurs are 32-7. and seven. Like, we're in that ballpark. The Rockets are 31-5. and five. Incredible. They're 20-18 against above 500 teams. Now, we're 12-21 and 21 against above 500 teams. Injuries... <clears throat> And maybe we're not that great. Clippers are an embarrassing 23 and 18 against below 500 teams this year. 23 and 18 against below 500 teams. Even the Thunder are 24 and 10, 24 and 11. So games like last night, games like New Orleans, that's what's made this season for the Jazz. Shouldn't. Shouldn't be. Here's a crazy one. Everyone's freaking out. Rudy's making his stupid comments. Or ill-advised. Let's not call him stupid. Uh, our month of March. Like, what's our record? Does anybody know what our record is in the month of March? In the month of March, we lost to Minnesota on the first game, which is a bad game, and, and we may have just been a lot more dead than we realized. Okay. Back into the back-to-back, out of Oklahoma City, three games to start. Like, we, okay, might have just been, we just look, when you look that strange, you've been that kind of consistently good. Since that, in March, when all, everyone's been, including me, like, oh my gosh, we're terrible. We're nine and six. So we've been nine and five since then. We have won one game in which we were favored and lost one game in which we were the under, in which we were the, excuse me. We've lost one game we were favored and won one game when we were the underdog. And yet, fits, right? Wouldn't you say everybody's like been on edge? Players, coaches, media, fans. Like, why? We beat Houston, we lost to Chicago. Like, really? Are we going to be that? We're that worried about it. I really. I think we all lost our bearings, including myself. I think we, you know, we just haven't looked good. And I think we've lost our bearings a little bit of, like, who we are and what's going on. And I get it. It feels pressure-packed. We're, we're really crazy consistent. We're 10 and 6 in November, 10 and 5 in December, 9 and 6 in January, 7 and 4 in February. <clears throat> if we win on March, we're 10 and 6. If we win on Friday, which I don't know if we will, but and then that will be disappointing, and then we'll all freak out. Um, Washington's really good. We beat them in their place. It's unlikely, you know, you get them both times. And then, you know, they're coming off a loss, and they didn't play any defense, so they're going to defend. 
you know, just all sorts of things. But if we do that, we could, have a, we could end up with no month of six or more losses if we win that game. We could end up with three months of ten wins. It's pretty good. Uh, so I don't think Rudy's comments that. Will favors be shut down until the playoffs? Uh, I don't think anyone really knows with Derek. I mean, we, play, we all play a little game. Like, if I give you $100, do you think he'll... Um, do you think he'll actually play? Like, do you think he'll play again? I, I don't. I think the expectation is he plays again. Now, I don't. I don't have a sneaking suspicion that it's Friday. Like, I don't. I haven't seen any signs that they're close. But I would also tell you that there have been numerous times where I've seen signs I thought he was close and I was wrong. Um, what team the Jazz want to play in the first round? I personally like to play Memphis, perhaps more than anyone else. The rest of the matchups seem daunting. Yeah, I mean. We're going to have a hard time winning a first-round playoff series. These teams are good. Oklahoma City would be really hard. Clippers would be really hard. I think those are our choices at this point. Houston, if we go to six, be really, really hard. They're really good. Uh, I think most people want to play us. We're good defensively. We play different styles. So we're paying, but we haven't been there before. Not a criticism of any of our talent or our guys. We just haven't been there before. So I think most guys want to play us. Have the very first tip-off loaded, and we'll be watching right after this. Been with you every step of the way. Love your insight. Thank you very much. I'll see if I can find that link, or if Kevin, if you have that link and want to tweet it to me, that'd be great. Uh, is Hood 100%? If he is, do you think it's more due to lack of confidence that he's holding him back, or do you think he should be driving the ball to the basket more, or is he best used as a spot-up shooter? Well, the last two games he's been really, really good. He says his knee feels better, and if that's the player we're going to get the rest of the way, that would be a huge addition to the Jazz, because the Jazz really need a second scorer that's not Rudy Gobert and a third scorer, and they haven't had either with George Hill not being quite right and uh, Rudy and Rodney not being right. So I, that's that's huge. Uh, if we can get Rodney going, it changes everything. Jody Genesey stated on February 10th that the locker room is not fun. So what you've seen with this team, if so, do you think it affects chemistry also? Um, I don't know. What it was February 10th? So we lost at Dallas? We must have lost. Uh, I remember thinking, oh, okay, so I remember that. We need to get to All-Star break. Um, the group just, it happens. That's not a big deal. Uh, we had we just need to get to All-Star break. I think most teams need to get to All-Star break. They just need to get refreshed and get away from each other. So I, I, do, I, would, I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, but this team gets along. Um, this team gets along really, really well and I think likes each other. So I, I don't know. I don't think it's, you know. I don't think we're a frolicking fun group. I think we're a pretty serious trying to win group. Like, the Lakers are having a lot of fun. So are the Suns. Uh, sometimes on the radio broadcast, is from Alex, I get the feeling Ron doesn't always buy into the stats you use. Is that true? No, actually, um, someone at Stick that started many years ago, actually, Ron is now often the one who calls me up and says, hey, by the way, what about this? Or um, all, Like, we actually were playing on the plane the other day looking at ref stats. He thought that was incredible. Like, I can find out which ref wins – Home team wins the most. Last night, by the way, we had the Kenny Mauer is the best road official in the NBA, and we are the road team for Kenny Mauer. Just a little little note there. So, no, um, he's for a 70-year-old guy, he's incredibly open to it. Ron's the best. Love him. Uh, I've used pack numbers to find out the pack of a team. I think it would be interesting to know how these numbers stack up against teams that make the playoffs and those that win championships. Um, that's a good question. I do it at the beginning of every year to project where I think teams are going to be, and it's turned out to be really accurate. Remember, I loved Washington when the year started, like loved them. Um, I think our preseason pack is turning out to be fairly accurate. I didn't. Ha- I had. I loved Houston. I thought Houston would be the number 
one or two offense, number two offense in the NBA. I don't know if I'm turning out to be right on that. Um, I didn't love the Clippers. Um, I don't remember. I had us in the playoffs, but I had us at seven. So um, I think I hated Dallas. I hated New York. I thought New York was going to be really terrible, not be able to score. I thought Charlotte would be terrible, not be able to score. I think the pack preseason numbers actually are turning out well. I'll have to, you know what, that's worth trying to dig out because that's really how you find out if you have anything that's any good. Thank you, Jeremy. T- Taylor, you mentioned a few weeks ago how inefficient the first possession of the opening tip-off is. Why wouldn't you just concede it, the tip to get a better possession out of it? Because you then get the first possession of the second half is equally as bad. How do we make the next step with Hayward leaving and Hill leaving? Uh, we don't. We start over. I mean, we try, but try to build. I, I, I suspect we'll make some moves before July 1st. I think our big mo- area of movement is going to be July 15th to July 1st. We have uh, all of our cap space left, which is, I think, $13 million. Uh, we have Boris Diaz's contract, which can be uh, used in a deal, and then his class can be uh, – he's not guaranteed next year, so someone can waive him and not have to pay it, and we can acquire money with that. So I would suspect that we will – be very, very active prior to July 1st. I think that'll be – I think Gordon Hayward will be looking at a roster different than what he sees right now uh, to be able to make his July 1st – make his decision on free agency. I think Dennis knows that this group wants to win now. I don't think anyone's interested in doing a rebuild, and I think he'll try to make sure we avoid that. Uh, do you like our chances beating the Warriors or the Spurs in the upcoming games? I heard you mention it last night during the broadcast. Um, I like it more now that the Warriors lost. Well, the Warriors won last night. That race is over. So the Warriors will be the one seed. The Spurs will be the two seed. And the Rockets will be the three seed. And that's set. There's no movement there. And so maybe that gives us an opportunity that the Spurs will not have quite the same uh, focus on their final game of the year. And we might be playing very well, need to win that game for home court advantage and hopefully are really fired up for it. And there's a decent chance on April 10th, the Warriors sit some guys and then play their final home game against the Lakers or something of that sort. So maybe it gives us a chance. I don't really believe in those things and you're begging a little bit, but maybe, uh, maybe that's it. Pack for Stockton Malone. We'll do that tomorrow. We're going to do old time pack tomorrow. That'll be fun. Uh, FYI. Okay. I got that. Um, to me, it looked like Hayward was pretty frustrated with officiating and it's not getting the calls. I thought he didn't. I did not think he got calls last night. I didn't think he was actually great last night. I think he was really injured, and I think he really, really sent um, a leadership message to the rest of that team, uh, maybe to try to regain something after maybe Rudy's comments did some damage. And I thought he was incredible last night. Gut feeling is Alex Burke on the team starting next season. Joe Ingles. I would be. It's more likely that Alex Burke, Alec Burks is on the team than Joe Ingles because he's under contract and Joe is not, but I might flip it on what I think is most likely. I think what's interesting is I think the playoff rotation could just be Ingles, Hood, and Hayward. I think there's a real chance that George Hill and Neto are your guards if healthy, and Hood, Hayward, and Ingles play all 96 wing minutes. And then if we really get rolling, I think there's a chance that if Derek ever gets right, that Gobert, Joe Johnson, and Favors are your only players who play big minutes. Maybe a little withy. Maybe Boris. Boris in the playoffs is probably pretty good. Seems like Gordon hasn't been getting any free throws lately. Is that the beginning of the season? Is any reason why? I don't know. Is that true? Uh, you'd have to – I mean, he went to the line a ton there for a while, and um, maybe he, is, he has not had a big free throw game in a while. I don't know if teams are defending him differently. Maybe. Um, 
So Gordon is taking six free throws a game, which is exactly what he took last year and the year before. Boy, it feels like he went the line more than that. Um, in March, he's gone to line 51 times in 14 games compared to 62 and 11 and 151. Yes, I don't know why. It's a good, good, good observation. Um, Joshua, you're, where's your resort? you got 12 inches. Snow, I like it. Uh, I told you at the beginning of the year, four of the five starters would have significant injury issues along with a couple of bench guys that Lyles would struggle this much. Where would we be? Now, this is incredible. The fact that we're fourth in the West right now, having the starting lineup played 13 games, is incredible. I think it means that our coaching staff and the players who have played are far better than we realize. I mean, truly, on the Gordon Hayward front of things, and I got it, okay? I, I'm a f- big fan, right? All right, I'm on board. But I'm pissed. Like, Jimmy Butler's team is 35 and 39. And Indiana's 37 and 38. And we're 46 and 29 with our injuries. And yet I still have to listen to how much, you know, Gordon's having a better year than those guys. Rudy Gobert. Like, I keep telling everyone, he's the number one defensive player in the league, and he's a top ten offensive player in the league. Like, get it. Like, get it. We're 46 and 29. Our starting lineups played 13 games. Who Who's the credit to? Really, there's three, con- there's three constants. Rudy, Gordon, and Quinn. Right? They must be much better than people realize. Much better. Uh, considering where things have been the past few years, the six-game first-round playoff series loss of success, I, I think the whole season's a success. I'm not going to say, you know, hey, we get swept in the playoffs. It'd be a real bummer. This season's been a great success. Incredible. We're in fourth in the West. We're going to win the division. Hopefully. Got two games up on OK, only two games up on OKC, which is only one. I mean, like, six in the loss column is six magic numbers can be hard for them to maintain. I think there's still a real chance we're going to be six going to Houston. That's still, that's what I thought this whole time. It's what I still think is going to happen. I think we're going to be six going to Houston. It's just, it's hard to find six. Hard to find two Clipper losses and more than four Jazz wins. Hard to find, you know, maybe it's five going to L.A. Maybe Oklahoma City loses three of those. We get our four wins or, you know, three, four wins. It's hard, hard to find it, but hopefully it happens. We need Phoenix to win tonight. I think, the season's been a great success, and Gordon Hayward and Rudy Gobert have just been better than anyone realizes. Shamrock Auto Group brought you today's show. Tell them thank you. Give Rob a call. And uh, 801-319-2250. That is Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The coach coming to Locked On NBA today as well.